Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner, and my friend in the dashing gray suit over there is Hal Edward Runkle. Hal, how are you today? Gray pinstriped. It's gray pinstripe, and uh, and you've got the knit tie. You're, you're like a throwback to the 80s there with the knit tie. The knit tie. Knit tie is actually back. I know. It has come back. The it, skinny you, tie and the knit the tie, they're all coming back. The skinny knit tie. You know who um, We used to is... call those sock ties because they look like they're made out of socks. Yeah. And, and, and they're square and, at the bottom. And they're and all square that. at the yeah. bottom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, who credited with um, on the popular landscape with the with bringing this mm-hmm. back? Yes. Who, who's, who would that be? The host of American Idol. Uh, uh, what I I can't remember his name now because he's uh, he's so he's ubiquitous. What's mm-hmm. his, what uh, what's his name? He is now the host of uh, America Rockin' uh, Rockin' Rockin New New Year's Year's Eve. Eve. That's right. He took over for Dick Clark. What is his name? Goodness gracious. Host of it. Kiss? Is he Kiss FM? uh, No, K. No, I don't know. In LA. Yeah, no, in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is his name? I don't know. Goodness gracious. You just uh, just Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. From this town. Did my trivia crack? Uh, clock run out on yes, that one because normally I'm pretty good at that. I have. Are you on the trivia? Crack I got now? off. I got off about 45 minutes after I got on because you knew I said, it no. is the biggest time suck in the no. world. Well, here's also though, I and maybe this shows my age. Well. <laughs> or shows my relative... Well, as if the whole first minute insecurity. of our conversation where we remembered when, yes. when knit ties knit were popular ties. to yes. on the first wave. So here's what I don't like Tell about me. those games. Whether it is uh, Angry Birds or... No, Angry uh, Birds I can handle. Words with Friends. Words with Friends. Crack. Words and Friends and Trivia Crack are different than Angry Birds. Okay. Angry Birds, I just play the computer. Right. It's just a computer game. Well, trivia crack is kind of like that. No, you're really I've got not a... playing the other person. You're playing. But there's another the person involved. That's true. I don't want to be talking to another person like this. What this way? Okay. Because here's what I think. You just want. I'm not only shall wasting. We play a game. Yes. Is I'm that not... what you want? No. Here's the deal. I'm not only wasting my time. You... I'm wasting this other person's time. <laughs> now I'm responsible for the fact exactly. that they wait. I feel bad enough that I'm wasting my own life away. Now I'm involving yeah. this other person. Yeah, no, ha- letting other people know how much time I spend. Exactly. Yeah. Is, yeah. No, no, no. It's it's like uh, a good friend of our, one of our colleagues, a fellow at the Screen Free Institute, Darren Dickens. Right. Right. Got me on to. Um, Oh, movie. you guys were talking about this the other day. Movie yeah. something. Some movie trivia There's thing. song something and, and movie something. Yeah. Pop song, pop movie and pop, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you just see a clip and cl- and it asks you a question about it and you're judged by how quickly. And so okay. he sends it to me and oh boy. he and I are playing back and forth, right? Here's an, Darren loves games. Yes. Darren, like board games, yeah. games on his phone. He's got an entire file folder on his phone just for games. He loves them. And I am playing the game with him. We're going back and forth, but then it gets to a place where, okay, now it's his turn. So I have to wait. He's not yeah. on his phone right there. Right, yeah, so yeah. I've got to wait. Be doing something, could be working, could be working out. So be... it then offers me a chance to play some other random person right, or right. actually gets into my Facebook contacts and, and says, Do you want to contact? Yeah, all your Facebook friends. And I know people are, are doing there. that. Uh-huh. Don't you have lives? Get lives, people. <laughs> 
I mean, that's what it feels <laughs> like. I don't have a life. William, William Shatner, Shatner yes. in the that uh, SNL sketch. Have you ever kissed a girl? Really? <laughs> Go date a girl. <laughs> Go do something with another human being, please. And let me wallow by myself now, it's still, in my internet um, shame. Somehow or other, Trivia Crack still gives me the option to challenge you. To challenge who? You. Me? You, as a person. Because it's into my Facebook contacts. Right, you, and, can, you can send it to me. Yeah, well, it, it lists all of my Facebook friends right. who are on. Oh, really? Not, not like on right now, but who have... Who've downloaded yes, it. So I exactly. have not successfully undownloaded yeah, it. Apparently not. Because it was over Christmas, and we were in Hilton Head for the week. I anything else to do. No, so, yeah, okay. I was with my two kids. My sister's family and my family were together. So my two teenagers and her two teenagers. Yeah. And we were all going back and forth playing each other on that. And then I very quickly am like, okay, I, li- I, this- I actually like myself. So I'm going to <laughs> get rid of this thing. Because I could see, I just quickly foresaw into my future. And there I am. My fingernails are too long to play the game because I haven't gotten up from playing like, the game. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, who's the wealthy guy, the spruce goose, the... Um, oh, 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 oh. Uh, w- uh, oh, my goodness. Showing our age. I know, right? Good yeah. Lord, can't the remember that... that uh, what's his face? The aviator, Howard... Yeah. Howard Hughes. Hughes. Howard Thank Hughes. you. Yeah, yeah, who couldn't function anymore because he got so OCD about things. See, we need to play... Other mind games like crosswords that actually help jog our memories. Uh, did you have you you've seen uh, Imitation Game? Yes, because that's a, like a big pivotal it's moment. It's, it's awesome. brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. a crossword guy, but I'm terrible at it. So Are I, you? I mean, I play. I do. I buy these New York Times. So what about books. words with friends, though? I mean, that's similar. It's still involving another person. That's true. Okay, so a crossword puzzle is just you and I've we've flown together, and that's yes. one of the first things both of us do is open up the, the Flight magazine and look for. The crossword puzzle, which is, and we fly far too much. Which yes. we know, if it's the tenth of the month, you're not going to find one that's empty. No, nope, because someone has filled it out. That already. magazine is every month. Is every month. So I have a New York Times, but I get the Sunday crosswords. You don't buy books full. No, of I buy them, books. Do of you? Them. Yeah, I've okay. got a couple of them. Yeah, but I, it's the easiest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You the know, books. Some of the you, you get a Friday. A New York Times Friday? Uh, or a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're going to slit your wrists. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be done. And that's one of those things that uh, you, you and I both grew up uh, mm-hmm. going to church every Sunday morning, yeah. you know, and we've joked about how that uh, that song, Easy Like a Sunday Morning, we have no apply. frame of reference, exactly. right? Well, when I got into college and I kind of stopped going to church for a while, yes, uh, that was one of the, the, the great joys of life. Absolutely. Was laying up in bed on a Sunday morning, not having to go anywhere, yep. brewing up a, a you know, pot of coffee, yes. and doing the New York Times crossword it's, puzzle. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful thing on a Just Sunday morning. wonderful. So imitation uh, game uh, has that uh, as a, a pivotal point that um, yes they're trying to solve this um, break the code you know, we the don't want to enigma no spoilers code. here no yeah, no yeah, yeah. that's what the whole it's a true story about the, the British Secret Service yes. hiring geniuses genius code breakers to figure out a way to break the Enigma code. The Enigma machine created this code for the Germans, and they told everybody where they were going to be and what they were going to do, but they, it was in this code that was unbreakable. Right. And it was unbreakable because this machine that they invented 
which you can go see a cop, or you yes, can see the one Germans of them. Germans invented a machine. Yeah, you, it, go to the Spy Museum in Washington D.C. Oh yeah, that's a fascinating place. One of the coolest yeah, places yeah, yeah, ever. Went. We yeah. took the whole family one time. It was so cool, and they have an Enigma machine. It looks like an electric typewriter from the eighties. Yeah, that's yeah, what it, it looks really like. Does. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you this can old boxy kind of thing that has keys on the yes, top. Yes, and you just change the settings because basically what it says is when you hit a K with this setting, it, it'll be it turns out an S. Right, every once or twice, and then it'll change every time. And then yeah. you change this setting, and it goes from an S to an R to an R to an S. And that anyway. was the thing; they changed the settings. And it's hundred and fifty-nine million million combinations, or exactly. something. Exactly. So no one could figure out how to break this code because they would change it every night at midnight. They would send the first, you know, yes. they would intercept the first message at about six in the morning. So now they have eighteen hours yes. to crack this code before they change it again. Right. So Alan Turing is hired along with these other guys uh, in order to break this code. And Alan Turing decides he has to. A machine can only break a machine's code. But that's what the whole movie is about. The the point that we're talking about here is uh, they're they're hiring linguists. Yes. They're hiring mathematicians. They're hiring those kinds of people uh, who are brilliant in their fields. Yes. But Alan Turing has an idea that he wants people who who don't know a body of information, he wants people who think a certain way. Yes. And the best way he can come up with to test to find out whether you think a certain way is by giving you a puzzle or a riddle right. to solve. And one of the, the famous thing that he does is they publish a crosswords puzzle in the the paper right. there in London and say if you can solve this in under yeah it was in the Times yeah, and yeah, if yeah. they do it in Eight under minutes 15, or minutes 15 minutes or yeah, something then like write that. in and and you get invited to come take a second and test and then you do it in in person right. in this whole group yeah so it was it was just the, the collection game of people is and there's a lot of research being done on game theory oh absolutely and and, and how one of the things I love about that, and he's sort of like a, a, a forerunner or a foreshadowing of a Steve Jobs kind of person, because yes. Steve Jobs also didn't care if you had the educational right. pedigree. Right. He just wanted to know, could you do the work? Right. And if you could do the work, then it didn't matter. And it is weird that our society has kind of gone, you know, like we're so concerned with the academic pedigree. Sure. Whether or not you sure. can do actually do the work sometimes falls by the wayside. Even though the the people whose greatest companies, uh, right? You know uh, that we all well, use Steve every Jobs day. And and the guys who did Zuckerberg, yeah, right, yeah, right, and Bill Gates never finished college. And Steve Jobs guys, actually did though, didn't he? Go to Reed College or I something think he like may that. Have, I don't but remember. a lot of the guys who design these games that we're talking about, who yeah. make a billion dollars or something sure, like that, sure. were you know college dropouts. But yeah. they can do the work. They can code like nobody's business, and they're creative. And you know, I it, think that's education is in an interesting position. You know, trying to figure out what the future of education looks like. Well, hopefully, unfortunately, what we did was we bought into a model that said content is what we need to master. Right, a body of information. Yes, and so what we have to do is find the best way to download that yeah, information, information from the mind of a professor into the minds of the students, right? And that model has taken off in uh, the East. Yes. That's what, they That's what abs- they're good at. Absolutely adopted. What it does not do, it, it actually, and this is what I think your, your point is, Steve Jobs would say, look, pursuing that pedigree it may not just 
not qualify you. It may disqualify you. From other things. Because, because you... it is training you to not think innovatively. Right. To think outside the box, to think of creative ways, of different ways of solving yes. an enigma. Yes. For example. And I think that's what Alan Turing's legacy is. Um, you know, as flawed as he may have been as a human being. Sure. Um, in his inability to have Relate, stable relationships yeah, yeah. and things like that. Um, he was so outside the box yes. in terms of his thinking and uh, and is a hero as a result of Well, that. I think he, he was portrayed in the movie very similarly to the way uh, Zuckerberg is portrayed sure. in uh, social... Network. The social network, yeah. Because both of them struggle mightily with face-to-face -face relationships. Yeah, put them in front of a machine, and they they think more like a machine. Yes. And that, you know, that, again, is another kind of a plot point in the imitation game, which really is... Fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought like it was it. so, so well done. And his uh, background and how, how, how childhood experiences make him relate and think, and they, act, they are weaknesses that actually turn into strengths that then end up right. being weaknesses. It's really fascinating. And for me, that's... I don't know. I was going to say that's probably the best movie I saw this year, but Birdman. Well, Bird you, but you haven't seen all the movies. I, that's true. Have you, but you haven't seen all the movies I'm missing have you? one. No, what? I'm missing two. Okay, so... I have not seen Boyhood. Right. And I have not seen Selma. You still haven't seen Selma? No. Okay. I took my daughter to yes. see Selma uh, two weeks ago. I was and, going um, to see it this past weekend, but my son was out of town at a, at a retreat all weekend, so, so he wanted to see it. So very powerful. That storyline, obviously, is so powerful. I thought that storyline is more powerful than Imitation Game. I thought as a film, Imitation Game was better. Was a, a more well-crafted film. Well, that's what I thought of Unbroken as well as Unbroken. The story is one of the great stories you will ever hear in and your I've, life. I read that novel, but I haven't seen the movie yet. You've read the... Uh, not the not novel. novel. Yes. I apologize you for read that. The yeah, actual, I read the historical, actual, yeah, yeah, which, is, which reads like a novel. Yeah, that's it really why it's does. so yeah, well it's done. It's such a compelling story. But as a movie, it's not done. I don't know how mm, you do that. Yeah, nearly as well. There are scenes... That where, are, they, where she gets it. That's what it feels like, Unbroken to me. Unbroken feels like it's a depiction of scenes from the book. Okay. Now we have to do the torture scene. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now we have to do the scene in the raft. What I liked about Selma was Selma, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Lincoln, when Spielberg okay. did Lincoln, in that... Um, Movie that I absolutely love. Yes, but it was based on this book, A uh, Team of Rivals, yes. that is a long history. Mother right? long book. Yeah. <laughs> it thing. is like a boat anchor. I have book. not been able to um, finish that. Uh, but most biopics show you the hero as a child, From the hero up, yes. growing up, some inciting yes. incident early in their life that put a big impression on them. and then Like it, Ray. Yeah, walks you all the way through. Or Walk the Line. Yeah. Yes. That, 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 Two uh, fantastic movies. They really are great. Uh, Lincoln was this one... Slice. Yeah, and that's what Selma is. Yes. Selma is just a slice. Like one four-month slice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That and enables you, through that window, you're able to see so much of the entire life. And while it's clear that Dr. King is the central figure, I mean and and the the director has cinematography I yeah, heard, yeah, yeah, has put him in the center of the frame of every in shot. So many shots. Right. right. Uh, but what you do get a sense of is there is this 
vast supporting cast yes. without whom the civil rights movement doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He is a, and he recognizes he's the face of it. So he has to be front and center. Sure. And he is. But without all of this other, these other supporting characters, of course, none of it doesn't happen. None of it happens. Right. Though, and he's not the only one that dies in by putting himself intentionally in harm's way. Right, 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 right. And that's that's portrayed as well. Yes. It's a very powerful movie. I'm surprised you haven't seen it yet. I'm excited. I, you're a huge fan, I am a ridiculous MLK fan. I've been wanting to see it, uh, dying to see it. It was one of those where my kids, I, I have had some special opportunities with them that have just come up, and, and I'm grateful, uh, just chances to see, like, the Civil Rights Museum together as a family in Memphis, which mm, is yeah. so profoundly yeah. life-changing for all of us. Well, you've and, been to the King Center here. And in I've been to the King right? Center yeah, several yeah. times here, and one time they, they, they released the King Papers here, and I was able to take my whole family, and it was it, my kids were young, but they, were, they marveled. We couldn't pull right, them out yeah. of there. I was just blown away by that. And... Uh, of course, Dr. King followed the principles of Gandhi, who followed the principles of Jesus, Jesus and yeah. Tertullian yeah. and uh, Le- uh, Tolstoy mm-hmm. and people who saw that active non-cooperation. Right. Guys Which, like David Lipscomb yeah. was another one yeah. uh, in, in American history. The people who actively said, I'm going to not cooperate. Like right. um, uh, uh, well, Thoreau. Thoreau. There we go. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He's the guy that invented that term. Yeah. Or what was the term that he did? Uh, uh, civil, civil disobedience. Yes. Yeah. And uh, th- there's civil disobedience, and and then there's this phrase, um, passive resistance. Right. Which there's very little that's passive about it. Yes, it's it's. I remember this scene. So it's a bit of a misnomer there. But. Yeah, exactly. It's a very active, but it's it's just. Nonviolent. Yes. I'm going to respond to violence. I'm going to fight violence with... By not fighting. Yes, by not fighting. Yeah. Right. With nonviolence. The presence of nonviolence. It's, so it's not the absence of violence. It's the presence of nonviolence. It's sit-ins. Yeah. It's peaceful marches and protests and Willingly that putting sort. yourself in harm's way. And all of which, yes, that's why I And this has been what is, I think is, has been so difficult for us to recapture in America... All of the um, uh, protests that came in the wake of the Ferguson yes. verdict, they just seem to always end up boiling over into looting and violence and riot- rioting. Well, this, was, this has been the trouble with all nonviolent movements, is by putting yourself that close to the edge of violence— mm-hmm. It is very, very difficult to walk along that edge without falling in. Yeah. Incredibly, because what you're asking of us is to get our emotions to the flooding point, but finding some mechanism within each of us at that point to curb the tide. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I think the, the, the film Selma shows. How difficult that is. How difficult that is. And how necessary and, it is. And I think the butler showed that as well. Yeah, the butler right? was... Actively, there were a couple of scenes in that that were really, really difficult to watch. they got to a train for it. Uh-huh. You know, the movie Gandhi, which is uh, yeah. you know, among Fantastic my favorite movie. movies. Yeah. And it shows so many scenes where he's trying, and it's a movement of millions that he doesn't have control over, he wouldn't want to, but he's trying to inspire it, and yet there are scenes where the crowd spills over and mm-hmm. turns into a raiding mob... 
that all their pain, all their anger, uh, years, yep. centuries even, uh, it boils up into the consciousness of an individual, and once that guy loses it or woman loses it, then it all spills over, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the difficulty of this. And so what it leads us to is it can lead us to this kind of sense that, you know what, ultimately we're going to have to respond with violence in it, order to stop it. And that's been the the fatal flaw yeah. in, in the movements since Dr. King. It has been difficult for us to maintain that civil part of the civil disobedience. Because when we feel attacked, we have this sense of righteousness that mm-hmm. takes over because we have been attacked in a, what we believe undeservedly. Yeah. And instead of thinking like Dr. King did... He, he would say, look, undue suffering is redemptive of both the victim and the, the victimizer. Yeah, and the perpetrator. Undue suffering can be a healing thing for good. And we don't think that way. Right. What we think... I'm being abused. So I need to get back. And, and the clearest example of this is 9-11. Yes. Well, and so th- this brings up what I was going to sort of pivot to next is sure. how ironic is it right. that you've got these two films set side by side and that on the weekend where the nation takes a pause to celebrate the birth right. of Dr. King, so many millions of us went to see... Well, it broke all box office records. American Sniper. Right. And I have, for years, differed with you slightly mm-hmm. in a sense that uh, I have always been an advocate of what's called the just war theory. Yes, that sometimes, in the in the in a for a just cause, uh, military intervention, sometimes perhaps even violent intervention, is warranted, uh, warranted yes. and appropriate. Yes, uh, a just cause fought using just means. Mm-hmm. Right. World War II is always cited as the preeminent example. Right. You have a clear, clear example of... Uh, of Particularly the war in Europe. Yes. Where you've got millions and millions of Jewish people who are being rounded up, and systematically, systematically yes. killed. Someone has to intervene in that situation. And, and some of those things were happening in, in the, the Far East as well. Sure. Japan invading China. China and, then, and all that, yes. And then stealing uh, thousands and thousands of their women and, and then Filipino one women. One could make and, the yes. case for Syria. One could yes. make the case for, you know, so sometimes Iraq in situations invading, like that. invading Kuwait. Kuwait and right, stealing all their oil and all of that. Yes. We, uh, Here's uh, the problem. Russia invading Afghanistan. Here's the problem. Yeah. Violence affects the the perpetrator. Yes. Even if that violence is done for a just cause. Uh, we could argue um, uh, the death penalty. Yes. Okay? Uh, is there a situation where somebody ought to be put to death? I don't... I mean, we, you, you could make that argument. That the, the oh, state people, holds people the power, do all right? the time. Sure. Here's the problem: mm-hmm. somebody has to flip the switch. Yeah. And what does it do to the interior Nerve. life of the person who is, whose job is to flip the switch on the electric chair? There's actually a, a couple of books written by executioners yeah. who talk about what it did 
to them. Well, and I think that's what yeah. American Sniper portrays. It's what portrays. it so powerfully portrays. Now, you've not seen American I, Sniper. I've not seen it. And I've not seen Selma. Um, and so we'll have to, uh, for yeah, the sake yeah. of this conversation, sure. just take each Trunking. other's words yeah. for it. What I believe about American Sniper is, here's why I love it, okay? Why I loved the movie was it gives us a chance to expand our definition of what it means to be a wounded warrior. We tend to think of that as someone who's received a Purple Heart, which you receive for physical Physical injuries. And you and I have had the blessed opportunity to speak to thousands of servicemen and women and their wives. I mean, mean, sorry, and their spouses spouses. and their families. Which, frankly, is a mixed blessing. Yes. Because, yes, it is an incredible honor to be invited to speak into the lives of these people who lead such heroic, purpose-filled lives. Right. And yet, it is also incredibly difficult. And, and, here, and again, the reason why I like the movie is hopefully it will help us expand that definition. Because when we say the Wounded Warrior Project, we are thinking about artificial limbs. Yeah, people so who are in wheelchairs, people who have uh, had uh, amputees or... Yeah. Yeah, and there is one scene in American Sniper where state their back stateside, I think in between his second and third tour, where he meets someone who has been wounded, but someone who uh, credits Chris Kyle with saving his life. Mm. Had it not been for you, I would have lost more than my leg. It leads to this amazing exchange where it is obvious that. the inner turmoil is beginning to boil within Chris Kyle. Right. Where he is beginning to have this, not in, never having any regret. Uh, power, right, he you've makes seen that it on, yes, yeah, yes, the previews. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. Ready to go to my maker and yes. answer for every shot I took. But later in, interview, in real life interviews, after his book came out, uh, he was saying, look, when we have a, anything glorifying war, on the screen, it just gets it wrong. Yeah. War is categorically awful. Just awful. There's nothing about it. And what is so ironic and yet painful is uh, that we all know the true story of what happens to Chris Kyle. Mm-hmm. That my wife had forgotten. Oh, dear. Yeah. I didn't know they were going to show it. Oh, did they show it in the film? They did not show it, but, I didn't, they, but I didn't know they were going to talk about it. Like a title card at the end or something like that? Well, More, than, more yeah. than that. Okay, all right. I didn't know, and so once there was one moment towards the end where I saw it turn, and I just, oh, no. And I, yeah, my body just collapsed, and Jenny's like, what? And I said, just keep watching. And that's what leaves, I mean, you, will, you go see it with a crowd, you will leave everybody silent. It was like when we saw Zero Dark Thirty yeah, was that like way. That. Was, like that. was just in a yeah. zombie thing. I remember going to see the Killing Fields in the 80s. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, in walk, Schindler's List. In Schindler's List, you're just walking out. There's, you're not going to say yeah. anything to anybody. No. For, uh, well, in that, you know, w- we use a phrase. We, we say, you feel shell-shocked. Yeah. That was the phrase that we used to describe people who came from home from war, World War One, And two, was, we used was it a shell-shocked. bit. Was shell-shocked. Right. And then it became battle fatigue. Right. 
because shell shock gives you the impression that it's just the 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 one impact the flash right. bang boom and that kind of right. shakes you up and it puts you in a state of shock but then it's it's the fact we we figured out it's not just the one time bang that gets you it's the relentlessness of it the fact that it never lets up and so then it became battle fatigue right. and now of course we refer to it as post traumatic stress disorder yes. PTSD what what we still uh don't see is how post traumatic stress disorder it's like smoking in that the people around you yeah they have it as well even though they weren't in the battle and it's like secondhand smoke and that you see that affecting his whole family and mm-hmm. his relationship with his wife and that's primarily what we address yeah here at Scream Free, and what we do in our work with the military is we address the relational uh, after effects. As he or she seeks to reintegrate back right. into that family unit. Right. And there are some very, very powerful scenes about that that show that, that you know, we've heard these stories uh, in real life, and they do a good job of it. You know, he's never wounded. Physically. But he's devastated, and it takes him quitting in order to get right. In order to get his mind right, and and yet his his life ends violently, and that's why I I appreciate the poetic irony, if you will. Sometimes life just makes it uh, you know clear to us that on the weekend that we celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King and his uh, strong stand on nonviolence, his life ends violently. Yep, and. Yet you have this movie about a man who commits himself to violence and has to remove himself from that in order to survive. And yet, violence it is his yeah. legacy of success and violence that actually, you'll have to see the movie or hear this, mm-hmm. you remember the story, that leads to him getting killed violently. It, it is just... And here's Alan Turing, who right. devote, you know, who, who's uh, out-of-the-box thinking... Uh, allows him to end the war. People credit him with, you know, they, they say if it hadn't been for him, the war would have gone on a couple more years. It could have killed 10, 15 million yeah. more people. They, 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 I thought I saw it. The war without Alan Turing's machine, the war goes on two more years and with, with a cost of 14, 14 million, million is lives. what they say in the film, yeah. But then his life ends prematurely. It, it is the cycle of yeah. violence that is the, that is the the message you know that uh dr king says you cannot end violence violently mm-hmm. you can't end violence with violence you cannot end hate with hate right it never ends the the famous quote from from gandhi is look an eye for an eye eventually leaves the whole world blind yeah and it, jesus famous phrase is you know if somebody strikes you on the one cheek, you turn them the other. Because at some point in time, you have to end the cycle of violence. Someone has to stand up and say enough. And that eye for an eye was originally given in the what, what Christians refer to as the Old Testament. Right. Jewish people refer to it as the Bible. The Hebrew Bible, you know, yeah. um, it, it was originally a limiting Because people were force. taking it up beyond that, was saying, you okay... Poke you poke my eye out, I poke both of your eyes right, out, then right. your cousins come and chop my head off, then my cousins go over to yours and burn your whole village down. And so so the the Jewish God says, listen, just go even Stevens on stuff. Right. Right, if they knock out one of your teeth, you get to knock out one of their teeth, and that's it. And then you just call it even, and you both shake hands and you walk away. Which, of course, 
can never be done. Because right. here's the problem. And it, I think it connects to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. Is if I'm going to then go take your eye, I am fomenting right. the uh, emotional energy it takes to do that. And so I'm coming very, very close to that edge. I'm going over the edge of violence, but I then need to rein myself after that. Mm-hmm. Rein myself in. And I don't. And I think about that again. And I wonder... I can't. What does it do to the interior life of a person right. whose job... To take a life. ...is to take a life, right. or to extract vengeance, or and in other then, countries to, to be the one... I mean, there are other countries, civilized countries, that mm-hmm. practice caning and flogging and things like sure, that, sure. right? I say civilized. I think everyone understands what I mean mm-hmm. with that. But someone's got to do it. Who's going to be the person whose job it is... To swing the stick. Yeah, it'd be a lot different if the judges that were sentencing that were the ones that also had to do it. Yeah. Right? A lot different. It's it's just, and it, it take it even, you know, we did a thing on spanking for a while. Yeah. Uh, the, that's the, the, so much of the difficulty with it is, uh, how do you feel about yourself afterwards? No parent feels good feels, about themselves. Well, no, I gave that, them a that good was good. Spanking yeah, then. That, yeah, that felt that, good. That felt great. No. Oh. You feel defeated. If, if you, if that's where you are. You probably ought to talk to somebody about you that. You feel defeated. Yeah. And you That's are defeated. That's how you should feel. And you, and you I, are I defeated. I hesitate to say should, but you, you yeah. know what I'm saying. No, you should feel, because you feel defeated because the power of the violence, uh, it overcomes you. Yeah. It, it overwhelms you. And and that's uh, and then, you know, the, the irony that he has to live with, and, and Chris Kyle does, and they show it in the movies, that now because of that, he's a hero. Because you were yeah, the, so successful, the, yeah, so most successful, successful violently killing your yes. hero, right? And, and it just leaves him so conflicted on the inside. Yeah, and that's what uh, I think the miracle of Dr. King was: is if you're not going to rise above it, then first of all, there's no way of ever stopping the cycle. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going to rise above it then you're actually validating the way of the person that you're trying to defeat. You're saying your way, by using violence, mm-hmm. yeah. is the right way to do it. It's just you're it's the, the only you, way to get things done. And, you're, and it's, that's the right way to do it, but because you did it, it's wrong. And, yeah. But if I do it, it's right. And that's, you know, that goes back to you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table... The revolutionary theory was that might should be used for right. Mm-hmm. But now I think we've, we're coming to the point where we're questioning whether might will ever should get be us used there. at all. Right. Will ever get us there. It seems like it can get us almost there, but it can never quite get us there. Right. Because what it does... I, go ahead. It, think about how much money... How many lives, how much devastation to relationships has been done in the name of retaliating for 9 11? Mm-hmm. How much? I, I mean, it's how incalculable. Mu- it's incalculable. And we're still there. Longest wars in U.S. history. And that's, you still know, there. that's one of the things. It, it, you know, and the violence hasn't, it's not like it's been eradicated. No. We just had a horrible, horrible tragedy in Paris. Yeah. Horrible tragedy in the um uh, um well and what's going on was in it the, the Pakistan in, no it was Afghani Ni- the school yeah the, the what, and, yeah and what's going on in Nigeria right 
it which gets oh you know gets completely overlooked but we, we right. forget everybody was holding up those bring back our girl sons Boko Haram is slaughtering thousands still of people it. still going at still it still doing it what still you know and we it. said well somebody needs to go down there and teach them a lesson but that just teaches them to get better weapons mm-hmm. so at some point in time I think this is you know regardless of where you stand on the you know Jesus deity all that kind of stuff the right. the genius of Jesus message and story is the only way to overcome violence ultimately is through self-sacrificial love. Yeah. And and that was clearly what Gandhi articulated so well. He there's this one uh, time where he was speaking to a group of people and it was trying to uh, talk about the new British law that had come out that said uh in an effort to keep order, which was always the, mm-hmm. the British way, yes. right? We do this with or, in order to keep order, to civilize the savages. Uh, in order to do that, they, they now have permission to inspect your home. Right. They don't have yeah. to ask. They can just enter they your don't home. Need they don't a even just need, cause. They yeah. don't even need to knock. Suspicion, nothing. They can just go they in. They can just go yeah. into your room with anything, right? Right, which is amazing. We're still dealing with it with yeah, the whole yeah. NSA spying thing. NSA spying and can the police search your phone yes. without it? Yeah, all of well, that. All kind those of stuff. issues are yep. still there. Well, they're they're gathered. This huge gathering of Indians, both both uh, Muslim and and Hindu Indians, gathered in this auditorium to listen to talk about it. And so people are protesting and saying, "Look, I will kill a British soldier who comes mm-hmm. into my home." You know, and everybody's cheering and cheering. And Gandhi, everybody expects him to say, you know, don't ever, don't even talk that way. But he stands up and says, I applaud such courage. I pray for such courage. And against these laws, I want you to hear me clearly. I will absolutely fight, and it will hurt like all fighting hurts. And for this cause, I must tell you, I am prepared to die. There is no cause for which I am prepared to kill. That is, I think that is key. Yeah. And because, like, I was raised in a a fairly passive, Mm. you know, militaristically passive environment. My Mm. father served in the Navy. Yeah, mine did. Um, I served in the Air Force. uh, But uh, I learned what a conscientious objector was Mm. at a very early age because my father was deeply affected by people like David Lipscomb, you know, who had that sort of militaristically passive right. strain right. in them. So conscientious objector, which was a, a phrase that was popularized coming out of World War One, Right. Um, and then I went, you know, I kind of veered to the right pretty significantly during a, the middle portion of my life. And I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever told you. I almost uh, enlisted after, um, in the Gulf War. Really? In 91. I, you know, I was concerned that they were going to bring back the draft. There was some talk about sure. bringing back the draft. There I was. was 22, so, 21, 22 yeah, at the time. Yeah, I was 20. I was going to enlist. So, I, you know, I wondered about that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm starting more and more to drift back into that yeah. conscientious objector and what, status. And, and I don't pass judgment on people who That's are what I want to make places. clear. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. not. So much of yeah. where we land on these things has to do with the teachers that we had or the or where we grew up. If you grew up near a military base, if you're sure. from a military family, you know, all of that is different for you than it is for me. And one of the things that mature people have to come to is the place where we say some things are going to be okay for you mm-hmm. and they're not going to be okay for me. Right. I 
I think we all, though, have an appreciation for the moral courage it takes to rise above someone's efforts to uh, bring you down. Yeah. And the moral courage it takes to act in a way that is different than that which has been acted upon you. Mm-hmm. You and I already had a conversation this morning about how we saw a violation of that last night in the president's yeah. State of the Union. As he was calling for civility. Yes. And calling us to cooperation yes. and to uh, transcend the bitter partisanship that so often... Well, uh, that absolutely characterizes Washington, especially over the last 15 years. Right. And he was attempting to say that because he doesn't have to worry about elections and popularity polls well, and things like that... He said he doesn't have another campaign, is what he said. Yeah. And he, he, what he was attempting to say was, because of that, I just want to do what's in the best interest of the country. Right. He got halfway through the statement, I don't have another election to try to win, and somebody started applauding. On the Republican side. Yes. yes. So, okay, that's kind of a jab. Yes. It is. It's, it's, it's a low blow. It is, Because yeah. you're interrupting the speech. Yep. You know that it's probably, I'm guessing... It shows guessing, a lack of respect for the office. Yes. I'm guessing it was a younger... Junior, one would hope, hope. representative. Yeah, right. That's what I'm guessing. Similar to a few years ago when somebody said, "Liar, you lie." Yeah, you know, was that that in the middle of a state of the union? In the middle of a state of the union address. Yeah, Lord. So that moment happens, and it's amazing when we see that. We see that. See that. It's that's base behavior. What are you doing? Interrupting in the middle? Right. Show some respect. Somebody is baiting you. Somebody is trying to draw you out. And the sad. They're trying to bring you down to their level of juvenile catcalling. You know, in the middle of this thing. And regardless of what you think about his policies or anything, I was disappointed in our current president. His reaction to it. And it was just that. It was a a reaction. reaction. It was not a response. It was quick-witted, but it was thin-skinned. Yes, I think that's very well put. So he looks at him and he says, yeah, it's because I won both of them. Yeah. Which is kind of his drop-the-mic moment and walk off. And a lot of the Democrats applauded. Not all of them did. Some of them stood. Yeah. You know. Yay, yay. You put him in his place. Well, but you did so by removing yourself from your place. The office of the presidency should rise above those sorts of things. Exactly. A response could have been, and yes, I understand that some of you are very happy for that fact. Yes, and that's self-deprecating, yes. and it takes the focus off of the other he person could have, and puts yes, it back on exactly. him. Exactly. Could have even gone further, and my wife is probably the happiest yes, of all. exactly. Right? Yeah. My wife Trust and me. If, you he, yeah. if he would have said that, and my wife and kids are probably even happier than you, uh-huh. that we don't have another one of these. That's right. Then, guess what? You've invited people in to... Well, wow. he could have said, I'm kind of happy about it myself. Yeah. I'm kind of happy I don't have to yeah. do, you know, <laughs> right? It takes but, its toll. But it just, yeah. But he did. No. Nope. He couldn't resist yeah. the the bait. And I guarantee you that's what he's kicking himself about today. Yeah. The, and what, I hope the, he's surrounded by people who are wise enough to say I, to him, see, that was... I don't think... No, what I hope is he's telling all of them. Yeah. When they're coming to him, you got him and say, no, I didn't. Yeah, he got me. Yeah, that's what I want him. And I, and I actually believe that. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. But the the point is that we recognize it when we see it. Mm-hmm. 
We recognize when, wow, you had a choice as to how you could respond to this. You could and, respond or you could and react. And you reacted. Yeah. Right? And But sometimes when we are all ourselves emotionally flooded, it's so hard for us to see it. I remember the, like the highest point of uh, George Bush's entire eight years was standing on, on the, that rubble on the rubble with and, the fireman's coat on and and with the megaphone yep right and, and he says we can't hear you and he yells up well I can hear you mm-hmm. and the people that did this are going to hear from all of us someday soon yep which was a profound moment of a rallying yes. galvanizing it was sure yeah and what he was implying by that is they're going to hear from us in kind yeah right they're going to hear from us in kind, the same kind that they use. But because we're doing the truth it, it's is different. Violence always begets violence. And until someone is strong enough or brave enough to rise above it, that cycle will be perpetuated. And there have been great few. men and women. Uh, uh, Lech um, Valesa. Valesa of Poland. Yep. The Orange Revolution. Is that Orange Revolution? Isn't that what it's I called? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But the, the, the Peaceful Revolution in Poland. Yeah. Right? Demonstrating that it can be done. Done, right. The, you know, we, we celebrate the, the Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. That one image kid. of that one kid standing in front of the tank. Who I'm sure is dead. Yeah. But... I'm sure it was killed, right? But that image still helps each of mm-hmm. us. And it's... And I hate that we do this, okay? So please forgive me, because I hate that we would ever put ourselves anywhere near that conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I hate that. But that is so much of what we aspire what to, we at aspire least, to, exactly. at Scream Free. And it's one thing for us to say that from the comfort of our it's suburban ridiculous. offices and all that. Ridiculous. You know, it, no. Not, I don't want to cast judgment on people no. how they how, how they perform. I am disappointed in in the president's behavior uh, last night. But I'm also disappointed in but that good Lord, Republican it, who exactly. But it yeah. pales in comparison to how disappointed I am when I how I responded to my wife's bad mood last night. Mm. Yeah. And I got all petty and and petulant and yep. ridiculous. Right. What we're trying to do is help people at least have the chance to when they feel attacked or baited, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that they at least have a pause to think they could respond in a different way. This is the one of the great things about films, mm-hmm. I think, is that films inspire... Oh, that's most powerful these kinds of, medium. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a, a powerful... Exists. Yeah. Yes. And, and you can hear things in a story, especially a visually told story, mm-hmm. that you can't hear in a sermon or a lecture or even a podcast, for that matter. Right. And that's the beautiful thing about these stories that are being told through films right now, is that they inspire us to think at a deeper level. They inspire us to act on a more intentional right. level. Right. And I think that's one of the things that you and I both love about movies. Yes. So we, this year, have decided as an organization to kind of, you know, jump you know, in the stream... With with films, sure, yeah, and we do an annual fundraiser to uh, to raise money to to uh, put on these retreats. We do these retreats for, for military. military personnel and yes. their spouses. Yes, Called, we call them a common connected retreats. The one chance 
that this that these couples we we had uh, we just had our last one back in October, and one of the couples said we've been married fifteen years. There's been like six deployments in that time. We've never taken a weekend away just by ourselves. Goodness, the first weekend of their lives where they were able to spend just by themselves. And other uh, folks, he had been three deployments, and and he says, uh, uh, you know what, this is the most we've talked in years. Wow. You know, this one weekend. And that's what we're trying to create. That's why we're raising money for this. That's And so, but we like to raise money and have fun doing so. Of course. So yes. we are doing, we're doing a big party is what we're doing. We're doing yes. a big Oscar viewing party. It'll be downtown Atlanta at the yep. Buckhead Theater. And, Fantastic uh, venue. And, and it obviously it's going to be on February 22nd. That's the Sunday sun, night yep. when the Oscars are going to be shown. And so we're going to have an Oscar viewing party. We're going to have a casino night. We're going to have a, an auction, all that kind of stuff. So and we're all getting dressed up. There's going to be... there's going to be red carpet, paparazzi, yeah, the whole thing, man. We're awesome. pulling out all the stops and going the full nine Incredible yards. Incredible food, right? And uh, it's, uh, and it's if you going to be a like, celebration. If our... 12 or 13 I think we have 13 listeners now are we up I think yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I got an email from one who signed it your 13th listener sweet Um, if you're interested in partnering with us and and, uh, helping us raise this money you can come like we're offering tickets are available right now you can go to our website screamfree.com slash big scream yep and you can get your tickets there. Absolutely. And uh, if you would rather, if you want to donate some money or some items to for our auction or something like yes. that, get in touch with us somehow or other. We would love to see you there. We would love for you to partner with us in creating the opportunity for these military couples to enjoy a weekend away and also get some tools to help them connect at a deeper level. Yep. To figure out a way to stay calm and connected in the midst of repeat deployments, in the midst of PTSD, in in the midst of challenges of getting to know one another again after after conflict and reinserting themselves back into civilian life. So maybe for the next couple of weeks, because uh, I know you have a handful of movies that you want to watch, uh, Oscar-nominated films. Uh, yes, yeah, Selma and Boyhood are the two that I have not seen. And I have a couple that I have uh, kind of earmarked. I'm going to go see American Sniper. Yeah. I may go see it this afternoon. Um, so maybe we'll come back next week and we'll talk a little bit more about some of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Selma this weekend and um, Boyhood. I'll find a way to see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk more about these movies and we'll keep reminding you folks about the. Big yeah, we're going to we're going to yeah. That's what we need to do. We need to talk about movies uh, from now and up until the big screen. Scream free at the movies. Oh man, get our thumbs out. <laughs> Did you, by the way, did you see the Roger Ebert on CNN? Oh my! Just unbelievably well done. It really was. Holy cow! That's a good movie. Sorry. Well, thanks for listening to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things screen free. Two guys trying to figure out how to stay. uh, What? How? I say this every week. What do I say, dude? How to? It's it's Ryan Seacrest. Calm (laughs) down. Ryan Seacrest was his name. How to calm down (laughs) so that that we can grow Uh up, so that we can get closer to the people who matter most. We'll talk to you more next week. See ya.